Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? It's going well. We're rolling along. You know, oh, there we go. We're back to rolling along. Yeah, we're rolling along, but we're we're you know not busy, but we're lots of stuff going on. Uh, it's all bikes, so how bad can it be? I have heard now you can actually say you're busy. You just can't say you're crazy busy anymore. Oh, ah, okay. So now now busy's allowed. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, what would we do otherwise? I guess That's right. True. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, we're back. We have today our, our, our weekend episode, I guess we're calling it. Uh, and, and we have a guest though for today. It's not a, a Q and a today. We did a Q and a, as you'll recall on Tuesday, if you look back, uh, well-received episode that was sort of about, you know, what does it all mean and, and, you know, different phases of life. So I think this, this interview with Jim Slauson, he's back. This is number three or four for Dr. Jim, uh, is back. He's an ER doctor, uh, and he got injured, uh, recently, and we just sort of go through that, you know, as someone who's a, a pretty avid cyclist, you know, someone who's very active, it's a big part of his, you know, life and, and you know, we could say stress reduction, health plan uh, to stay with it, uh, you know, and he got injured. So I thought this was interesting. And so Jim was willing to come back on and talk about how do you get through that? How do you cope some strategies and some tactics? Yeah, yeah. I thought this episode was super interesting. Uh, you know, sometimes we, we are very well aware that we are still two young-ish people in our in our 30s, we're going to say. Uh, so I think it is great to have that perspective from Jim of that like lifelong athlete who's actually, you know, really thinking towards that, okay, I'm injured right now, but also what is that going to mean in, you know, 10 years? What's that going to mean when I'm 80? What's that going to mean when I'm 90? And I think it's it's a really valuable perspective to bring to recovering from injury. And it's something that we try to think about ourselves and we try to say it to younger athletes all the time. But it's hard when you're, I mean, we're not 25, but it's hard when you're 25 and you, you know, maybe get a concussion or you get injured or whatever. And your goal is to quickly get back to racing as soon as humanly possible. And I think Jim's point about getting back to being a strong, resilient human uh, maybe not as soon as possible, maybe as soon as it's smart is, is sure. really worthwhile listening to no matter what age you're at. Yeah, I think it's important to learn from people at all different levels. I've always enjoyed, I've had uh, clients older than me uh, throughout it. And I, I think I've benefited really of seeing, you know, just the, the different things that happen, right? We get into our 40s and there's more aches and pains and, and just the different phases of life uh, that come, right? So I think it lets you appreciate where you are, uh, whether you're 40 or 50 or 60, right? You know, you're never going to be younger, you know, it's sort of the idea. So I think appreciating that and then trying to learn, you know, some of these things, you know, about that catch up to folks later uh, and the why we might want to, you know, work on shoulder mobility or work on our, our strength training, even when we're younger uh, and, you know, eat well and these sort of things, right? Social connections, the, you know, the whole sphere of wellness. Mm -hmm. All right. Should we get into it? I think so. All right. Enjoy this interview with Jim Slauson. You know, I was the main reason I wanted to have you back on was to talk about, you know, when things don't go perfect, right? It's, it's great to say, oh, finished hundred mile or won this race, you know, did this uh, when things are rolling along, but sometimes it's more interesting to hear about the pain and the, yeah. the injury. So you've had a couple big injuries here and just you're now, how old are you now? I know this is an abrupt question, but just for context. No, no, that's, I'm close to 60. I'm probably 59 this year. So, okay. And I suspect maybe I'm going to go on a, I'm going to interrupt you and say, I'm getting towards 40 and I try and take wisdom from all the people like yourself and the clients I work with are very smart people. 
Um, and it seems like the forties is when stuff starts happening in life. And then also to the body. Did you, did you find that was 40? Mm, probably more of 50. Okay. So I can maybe be smart and out. careful and get it out that far. <laughs> I, I, I think you can Yeah. now, you know, my, I've only been like racing competitively for 20 years and, and running for maybe five years before that. I mean, I played basketball for 20 years too. So there, so my athletic age is a little younger, you know, then, so th there is that too, where you've been at this for 20 plus years. Right. And so you got 20 plus years in you. So there's a little of that too. Um, but, um, yeah, I always wonder, yeah. you know, how many reps do my hips get? <laughs> how many do I get till they're, they're dust? Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 Huh. Hmm. Okay. Well, so you had this, this is, you said just in the last couple of years, you've had a foot injury and then also a back injury. Right. I, uh, I smile because I just re-listened to our first podcast. Um, and one of the things I said in that podcast is how I don't get injured. Oh, and, uh, and now one of the first thing I talked about that, that, that I think is important to go over is that I've had two significant injuries. So it's, uh, you know, I, I never had like a little strain here, a little knee niggle there, you know, I, I, I never really had that stuff, but I, I tore a tendon in my foot probably from running too much. And cause I was running every day at the time I was about four years into at least 30 minutes slash three miles a day. And I tore, and I tore a tendon in my foot doing heavy weightlifting. So that was an interesting little experience. Mm. And then about eight months later, so about six months ago, I, I herniated a disc in my back and, and had surgery the next day um, because I had profound weakness in my leg. And oh. so that's been, you know, that's, uh, I've really, you know, my, my philosophy is stoicism and I've just been able to use a lot of that with this thing. I know Molly's coaches are, they're stoic. Uh, their, their book is, you know, you, you will slow down. It's based on, you know, momentum or you will slow down. And, right. And, uh, and so, you know, it just, you know, this too will pass and, and you do what you can where you are and you just, the obstacle is the way when you have a dramatic thing happen to you, embrace it, not just accept it or work around it, you know, love it and, and learn from it and work with it and, and see where you can go from there. So my, hmm. The disc experience was very, very good for me because I, you know, I don't have other bad habits. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't, you know, I'm not obese and, and things like that. But as someone who exercises every day and, you know, there is probably a little addiction there, right? There's a little bit of a, a need. And, and so, you know, I, I definitely was worried, like, what happens if cycling were to be taken away from me? in the back of my mind. Right. And so overnight cycling was taken away from me and, and I was just totally okay with it. Um, you know, I was walking for three weeks and then I started back in the gym with some kind of core work for a couple of weeks. And I was not, you know, I actually am working with a coach for the first time and, and he didn't want me back on the bike for a little over two months, I think maybe 10 weeks. And so I was really pleased that I 
that I kind of didn't miss the bike. You know, I couldn't do it. And so I didn't miss it. So mm. even though maybe I'm addicted to health and, and, and being active, it wasn't, that wasn't a devastating thing. It wasn't such a loss that it would be a big problem. When I did get back on the bike, I really missed, realized how much I missed it. Right. And I really was glad to be back on the bike. So that was good. I do wonder, you know, I like that you've brought that, you know, if the bikes are only outlet or our only stress reducing tool, or, uh, I think that's, that's, I, th- I think a little bit what I'm talking about the forties, the fifties, whatever, that we know it'll change, right. You had this, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to die is the, the way the, yes. the more dire way to phrase that, but things have yeah. to change, right. We know that they have to change, right. So this might mean that again, my hips turn to dust and I can't ride a bike anymore. So right. then what are the options, right? And that's where I think for thinking long-term, then maybe that is why we're looking at other things, right? Music or art or other, I think other sports, other, you know, as you say, walking and, and these things, relationships. And, and, and you mentioned how, like, you like to listen to old guys like me and just get some thoughts. From wise. The I said wise for the record. I, that's what I meant. <laughs> um, but, you know, when I see a book like, uh, um, you know, Joe Frill's, riding fast after 50 and, and this guy's, you know, um, like a, a book I mentioned in my kind of strength program is something called the barbell prescription, which is, it's called barbell prescription for over 40. When a 20 year old sees a book like that, that's a book he should read mm-hmm. because you want to see 20 years from now, what you wish, you know, you're seeing what these guys that are 40, 50, 60, kind of wish they had done or knew back when they were 20. And so I think when you see, especially an athletic book, if you're really interested in, in athletics, if you see a book that's titled for the older athlete and things like that, read that book. Right. And then you can say, okay, what do I need to apply to, you know, the, what, what can I learn from Joe Friel at 60 and apply it at 30? So I'm even better at 60. So Mm. the strength training seems to be a commonality in all those books. Yeah. And that's newer for you or, or how long have you been doing? Oh, I, you know, I've strength trained off and on my life, but uh, it was really only about five years ago when I started running and then started strength training um, that I really was, got interested in it. And, uh, um, you know, I formalized it two years ago. I started a barbell strength training program for a year and then that was becoming a little too much where it was interfering with my cycling a little bit, um, recovery from that. And I'd gotten pretty strong. And so I'd been following Menachem Brody a bit. And so I reached out to him and, and that's where I, a year ago, I started having him coach me because his platform is strength training for cyclists. And, and so now, you know, but uh, it's, it's very important. You know, there it's arguably strength training is arguably more important than endurance training for overall health span and, and lifespan. Um, the, the, not just the metabolic benefits, but then your structural, your bone and just mental well being, And it's a little more efficient too, right. Than, than, than true endurance can be. So. Yeah. And it, I mean, it, it maybe it, pains my soul and maybe it's surprising to you know, we have a lot of endurance athlete, probably mostly endurance athlete, uh, identifying folks listening. Uh, yeah. but yeah, it's definitely, I don't know if that's what you mean by one stone, as many birds as possible, but that strikes me as, as that sort of idea yeah. that strength training is very efficient with the benefit you get from it. Right. 
yeah the one stone with many birds you know like um yeah so you're you're really hitting if you're strength training you're hitting your health benefits that that endurance stuff does you know you're basically basically what you're trying to do with your if you're interested in health span and lifespan is you're trying to postpone the diseases of aging you know everybody's going to get cancer or heart disease or neurodegenerative disease at some point. And if you can push those to your 90, 95, hundred, that's kind of the goal. So strength training does hit those metabolically and, and help with that. But then with your tissues, your bones, your structures, keep you from becoming uh, a bent over person help with your flexibility. So yeah, it hits a, a lot of, a lot of stones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's for a lot of birds. Excuse will... me. <laughs> yeah. One stone, one stone and many birds. Yes. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, when we look out into two decades or, or whatever, we've been using a lot of this two decades, two years, sort of, you know, to phrase these goal set in the two decades. One is that, as you say, that down the road, what's coming. Uh, and when you look at people who are, you know, 80 or, or 90, you know, again, it's that, Dan John calls it the hunting or the fight against gravity. We're all fighting gravity, right? Eventually it's going to push us into the ground effectively. Uh, and we want to, you know, keep ourselves upright and not bent over and able to lift things and get up off the ground. Right. And this is, you know, so I thought that was a a cool way of phrasing is that we're fighting gravity to stay upright, you know, not bent over, not in the ground. Yeah. The way I, the way I teach it is that, you know, strength is how you interact with the world and you know you're you're you've got two forces you've got gravity which is constant and then you've got wind which is more the the faster you go but the more strength you have the more options the more choices you have with interacting with the world and and then you you talk about 20 years down the road my framework is called the nonagenarian olympics so the the olympics when you're 90 what do i want to be able to do when i'm 90 you want to be able to like put a suitcase in an overhead compartment in the, and bring the groceries in from the store and, and go for a bike ride in the park with your kids and go for a hike in the park. And so then you got to work backwards from there to say, well, what do I need to be able to do when I'm 80, when I'm 70, when I'm 60, so I can do these nonagenarian Olympics. So mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the long-term plan. Yeah, exactly. Right. Did you pick your discipline for these uh, nonagenarian Olympics? Well, no, it's just, it's, it's, Oh, you're actually, Oh, okay. I took that literally, but you're using it as a metaphor. Well, yeah, but no, no, I'm talking about, so my, my, my theory, my thoughts are that, that, you know, we, you may remember we talked about how like most games, the way to win is, is by not playing. Well, there's one game you have to play is the game of life. And you either you, and you have to pay to play the game of life. And so you either choose how you pay to play or life chooses how you pay. And so that's where, well, what, what do I want to be able to do when I'm 90? And that's just loose things. Like I want to be able to get up off the ground. I want to be able to go for a little bike ride with my kids. I want to be able to walk with my wife for half an hour. I want to be able to hike a little bit in the park, um, lift, you know, 20 pound grocery bags and things like that. And so, that's where you just work backwards from there. Right. Yeah. So like living alone, uh, you know, is, is sort of on there, right. And moving around on your own and yeah. yeah. 
Okay. I like that. And some of these are like choices that we're making now. That's the difficult thing, right? And I think that's sometimes naming those things and okay, well, today we're working on preserving that or, or armoring ourselves enough, you know, so right now you're lifting lots of weight right. in the gym, but trying to you know always stay above that 20, I guess. Um, how do you think about those choices now, right? The It's typical for a lot of people to make those choices now when there's not really, there's no reward for going to the gym. That's a... Uh... That's a excellent question. I mean, there's no reward for most things that are good for you. And there's lots of perceived of a reward for most things that are bad for you. Even though, you know, like when I grab a cookie, it, it's good for me for about eight seconds is how much I enjoy it. And I know it's not, but still I grab it. Right. Whereas eating healthy food, it might be like, Oh, I don't know. This is good for me in 20 years, but man, those cookies look good. So that's, that's, kind of how we're wired with everything and so you just have to you know you, you just kind of have to go well why am I going to the gym because I want to be strong and healthy I want to continue to look good I want to you know not fall down and break a bone and and what am I doing at the gym today what's the purpose and that's where that's where using sport where you, whether you're a runner or a cyclist or a rower or a skier or whatever your sport is that's where your sport really helps because you can go to the gym as a goal of helping your sport where really the goal is to help you. So the non-engineering Olympics are an option to you. Right. So it's that. And it maybe gives you, yeah. And it maybe gives you the, today you were lifting this amount of weight or this new movement you learned or these yeah. different and, and you, and, and just getting there is the important thing. Um, and so whatever I can apply towards cycling in the gym, you know, in a lot of, a lot of the work that you do in the gym for cycling is corrective for postures on the bike that aren't healthy. Right. And so that's good, but it also helps you on the bike. And, and so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm specifically training for the bike, but in the back of my mind, it's for, so that I have options and choices 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 40 years from now. Right. Right. You just don't, so look, short -term you don't look like a cyclist. My bike. Yeah. Yeah. Or what get me to the gym today. But when I look back, it'll be like, boy, I'm glad I went to the gym 40 years ago. Cause here I am. Mm. What, what would you say? One of your favorite moves are in the gym in the gym. Yeah. Oh man. You know, I, I am not doing heavy squats anymore because I hurt my back a year ago. I don't know if I'll forget back to that, but that's probably my favorite thing is, is heavy squats and like a back squat. Yeah. Back, you know, loaded back squat. So are you um, doing like overhead squat or front squat or anything like that? Or what are you doing instead? Well now, you know, so now it's a little more specific and particularly, um, um, with my injury and with cycling, I I'll do things like, uh, um, the squats I'll do is like a, a, um, a kettlebell squat with one, one arm in the rack position. So it's a little asymmetric squat sure. and then the other position, um, I do some, some, uh, Bulgarian split squats. So one legged stuff and, um, just not just doing the heavy symmetric barbell squat stuff anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Those are great. The ones where you hold the one weight on the one side, it's amazing how much that changes, <laughs> how focused you have yeah. to be in the core, I guess, activation, you could say. Yeah. Since I've been working with Menachem and then especially when I hurt my back and, and after I got back to it, that's kind of all I did for about six weeks. 
my core is just amazing. It's just, uh, you know, I had a, I had a 20 year old come up to me the other day. I, I, um, we have a very local type gym. So I, some of my exercises I have to video. And so I usually take my shirt off when I'm doing my exercise with a video. And, uh, my son teases me about, about doing that. And, and uh, he, anyways, this 20 year old kid comes up to me and he looks at me. He's like, he goes, you are ripped. He goes, I want to be you. And, and it's quite and a compliment. Like, and I was like, yeah, you know, I mean, you, uh, one day I was walking down the street and I didn't have a shirt on like this summer. And I, and, uh, I was just doing a walk after my lift as part of, I was walking a lot for back rehab and, uh, and just as all of this young guy is probably in his thirties with his wife, I smelled a little marijuana on him. So I'll give them that. But he looks at me, he goes, that's a built old timey. So of course my, my sons love that stuff. You built, know, they, built old timey. I'm, I'm a built old timey, a built old timey. So, you know, it's, it's nice to get those little kudos though, right? It's nice to get those little, Hey, looks like you're doing good, sir. You know, and, and my, I mean, my response is just, I'm just an old guy trying to stay in the game, which mm-hmm. is my goal. Right. But mm-hmm. it's nice when someone gives you a little positive feedback. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's odd. Sometimes vanity can be useful in that way too. A little, a little bit. Of it's, we, I heard a great one the other day. Um, I don't think it was on what you guys were, where the guy said, you know, to get motivated, like uh, it's talking about picking up habits or changing habits or starting a habit. It's like to get motivated to do something, it, it often requires a stick, but to stay motivated to do something requires carrots. And I thought that was fantastic. I, that's, that's how I kind of live my, my life. And I said, yeah, that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. I guess sometimes you could have someone, you know, they're, they've heard something from the doctor. It's often something like that, right. To, to get someone motivated, but exactly. you, you probably see this all the time and then it, it wanes, right. People get better, but then right. they drop off. Yeah. Hopefully it's maybe a friend had something happen to them. Right. It's like, wow, you know, this could happen to me too. And so that's, that's the time, but then that only lasts so long. Right. But then you need a little positive feedback, little carrots over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, which is where, where you're weight sport. dropping or yeah. someone give you a compliment or you get a little faster on the bike and, and uh, it just, you feel better. You're sleeping better. Just every little thing that helps will, will keep you in the game. Um, I'm wondering, yeah, you, you have this one. So love, and we talked about this with your back. You said, you know, amore fate. So I love what, whatever fate throws you. I'm sure I pronounced right. that horribly, but. Uh, Amor Fati would be the Latin, I believe. I don't speak Latin. I just know a little bit of it because it's, it's, it's just one of the main tenets of Stoicism is, you know, don't just accept what happens to you, but love what happens to you. Hmm. I'm wondering, do you have regret in terms of, you know, you were running every day and then there was the back stuff. Did you find yourself with any regret? Be- because of my injury? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I was injured? Um it sort of goes not, against a more fatey, but uh, not, not, not really. Um, in the moment you do, you know, your first, your reptile brain or your emotional brain, which are, you know, your primitive brains are trying to survive or feel good and comfortable. But, you know, once you allow those brains to speak their piece and then you think about it rationally, it's like, okay, 
you know, my, my foot was fascinating because I'd had this little bit of pain in my foot and it was kind of, you know, it was on the plantar side, it was on the bottom and it was kind of moving around a little bit. So it wasn't like in one spot because mainly with foot pain, you kind of think about a stress fracture. If you're running every day, you know, if, if it's, if you're worried about the regularity of it causing it, this was kind of moving all over the place. And so I, I that morning I thought, you know, I've never said how long I'm going to do this run a day, run every single day for, you know, I'd been doing it about four years, right about four years. And at that morning, I was like, you know, I think I'm going to do it for five years. And then I'm going to go to every other day. And that evening in the gym, I snapped this tendon in my foot because it was a tendon that was inflamed. And so your tendon doesn't really have um, nerves it's all the fascia that your tendon interacts with. Mm -hmm. And so that's why you can kind of feel it a little bit here and there. It's the fascia signaling that the tendon is diseased and, and in trouble. And so it snapped and, and then, uh, you know, I kind of figured out what caused it. And I mean, I was lifting, you know, I was probably doing like say a 250 pound squat and it snapped in my foot. I thought I'd broken three or four bones in my foot. That's what it felt like to me wow. acutely. And, uh, um, uh, and so put the weight back up and, and got it checked out and get an MRI about a week later, or several days later, figured out what was going on. And, <laughs> and, um, you know, it's funny, I'm, we do these, uh, some friends of mine in San Antonio, I'm, I'm in San Angelo, Texas, but my home used to be San Antonio and some buddies of mine who are there about 40. Now we, we do something called a slacker ride, the Wednesday slacker ride. And you either take Wednesday off or call in sick and, and you go out and ride hundred miles on Wednesdays. And, and so we were doing a lot of slacker rides this winter. Cause I happened to be around there. I was with, with blaze your athlete. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and we were doing the slacker rides and we were talking about it. And, and my friend just said, we were talking about regrets in your life, you know, looking back, you know, would you change things? And if you're in a pretty happy place, a pretty fulfilled place in your life, we decided that really you would never change anything that ever happened to you or the, or choices that you made in the past, because you wouldn't be exactly where you are today. If you had now, if you're unhappy where you're at in life, then think about what you need to do to get happy. But um, sure. If you had the option if you're confronted with that same thing again in the future you might choose choose a different path or do something differently but just embrace everything even if it was a bad choice back then if you're doing well now right because it's all part of why you're here right now and you know i, I remember a pulmonologist that i worked with in san antonio who uh he he had a horrible limp and he had a thick accent he was from columbia and he had, he had been in a car accident, a bad car accident when he was a junior in high school in Columbia and had a bad head injury. And so that's why he had this horrible limp, but he wasn't drafted into the Colombian army and he went on to become a doctor and things like that. So just those type of things that uh, um, you are where you are based on your actions and, and choices. And so embrace it. Mm. 
Yeah, you never know what. A little they, too much they, deep. We're we're getting into what my family calls mumbo jumbo. Uh, <laughs> it is, it is. But I mean, it is. We, when we look back with regret, right? Like it's certainly you don't know that that's a grass is greener, or we don't know what's on the. You know, we, you took a fork in a road, and you don't know what was on the other fork. Right? It was a cliff. Right. You, you know, your foot's injured, but the other side was much worse. You didn't want. Right. You know, if only you know, if you hadn't been running every day, what would have happened? Right? You would have been at home right. or something. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. The, the consistency thing is something that's tricky, right? I, I really, you know, I, that's one thing that I think I drive home in my coaching. I don't think I invented consistency, but that's one thing that I think is important, but it's tricky because you were very consistent with your running, but then I'd be like, mm, Jim, you got to take a day off. And you're like, well, you said yeah. consistency, right? right. Um, has it changed how you think about uh, consistency or, you know, even Absolutely. Just day-to-day Absolutely. goals even, I guess is, is sort of the heart of it. You know, I, and I'm getting older you know, I've always thrived in, and succeeded with volume. And I've, I've always done way too much. But, uh, you know, these two injuries have finally said, you know, it is the recovery. It is the recovery where you adapt and get stronger. And so why don't you just focus on the recovery and the adaptation and, you know, be don't just go out and run a hundred miles or ride a hundred miles today because you ride a hundred miles yesterday. You take a day off and plan a day off and things like that. So, yeah. So I have used those to, to, um, to really become more mindful of recovery and adaptation. Um, also I'm getting older, so I'm, it's going to take me longer to recover and adapt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Joe Friel has this nine day week, which I always say is too complicated for me. I think it just means you probably need to take two off days in the week, yes. um, but, <laughs> but he says, you know, same work, same intervals, you know, keep the intensity, keep the strength training, but just lengthen the week out. And as you say, then you can take these slacker Wednesdays, right? And yeah. I like that. I like that idea. Yeah. I did that the other day. Uh, actually, we just had missed you at cyclocross worlds. I didn't realize you were there. Yes. Uh, yes. I saw you guys were there. Fantastic. It was a great race. Did you enjoy it? Amazing. It yeah. was just uh, mind boggling. And I did, uh, we were staying at a house like 200 meters from the course. And so uh, this kid and I went up there and we actually rode two laps on the course as they were tearing it down. And just the, how amazing these athletes are. I mean, I, if I went the hardest I could and rode the best lap I could, I could probably do about a 10 minute lap. And the elite pros were doing 630. The juniors were doing seven minutes. So I'm, I'm 65% as fast as an elite pro and 70% as fast as a junior. <laughs> right. And, and when you see it on TV, I mean, even when you see it just walking around the course, the hills are that, that, that main hill, that was horrible. Mm-hmm. And those guys were like kind of riding up it like a, as a group ride a couple times, you know, and yeah. and just sort of soft pedaling. Yeah, and so, yeah, it's amazing. It was. Wonderful. I mean, the stair set alone, I think most people, even if they didn't have to carry a bike, would you know be half as fast if they're lucky. Those guys are um, sprinting it and taking two steps. Yeah, uh, you know, I was sort of walking it and getting out of breath, just kind of walking up it with my bike. So yeah, mm. yeah, fun stuff. Great race. Mm wondering where we go from here. You know, the, you mentioned, you know, you've gone through this transition, you had some injuries, some reminders that time is going by. 
um, what have you added then? So as cycling's come back, as you know, you're walking more, so your foot is obviously healed. Um, yeah. you know, you're not running, which I guess is, that's a loss. I run a, I, I run a little bit. Oh, you are back running too. Yeah. Okay. Once I, um, once I, you know, the body is an amazing healing machine. And, uh, once I got through the acute injury, um, four, six months later, I started running a little bit, but, but, uh, not, not too much. I try to walk more. And especially after I lift, I think it, I think mm-hmm. I really get benefit from walking after lifting to kind of reset things. Um, I added a, you know, I'd never had a, a formal coach, you know, I figured working night shift and, and we travel a lot that it just wouldn't be useful. And I, I think my coach would probably agree. It's not very easy because we're always having to change things, but, uh, um, so that was good. Um, really enjoyed it. I'd never done a structured bike workout in my life. Oh, wow. And the first one I did, I was like, this is, you know, as, as a, as a type a person, I was like, this is awesome. Right. I mean, told exactly. Do you remember what, what it was? was? What was the first, just in general? I'm just curious. Uh, I think it was, um, I think it was about five, you know, he has me do some kind of spin ups in the beginning and then maybe a little, maybe like a, say a tempo pace for 10 or 15 minutes and then some recovery. And I think the first one I ever did was five, one minute, all out max efforts. Okay. And, uh, and, and then you'd recover to a heart rate under 120. And, and I have a little breathing problem. Um, gosh, 25 years ago or so I, I had a lot of anxiety. I actually had some panic attacks and I think I still have some breathing issues from that. Hmm. And so learning to recover my breathing after the one minute effort was really hard. Um, Which is an argument for training. I actually was going to talk to you, you know, you said you're getting more back into breathing, I guess, or focusing more on breathing here recently. And I tend to, I've done like focus, what they call respiratory breathing training. I've talked a bit about it on the podcast, but so Spiro Tiger, it's like a balloon you huff into for extended periods of time. I would never, you know, they're pretty expensive for most people to buy. And then you have to have time to sit there for 30 minutes, breathing into a balloon. We'll we'll come back to Spiro Tiger in a minute. So go ahead. Okay. And I'm sure you have all sorts of stuff, but uh, all that to say, I, I think it was beneficial, but I think a lot of people are missing the first part of your story where you were like, I went out and did a really hard interval and breathed really hard while my body was actually moving. And I experienced breathing hard, you know, as a full body. And I, I'm, well, I'm worried that some of this stuff, you know, this last year or two, this has been this big focus on the, the Wim Hof and the getting into cold water. And it's, I, I wonder sometimes if we're going a little too far and forgetting the, like, we could just breathe naturally hard by sprinting or you know walking up a steep hill or going to altitude or whatever you got to do what do you think i threw a lot at you <laughs> yeah no um i am you know i i kind of like to dedicate a year to things when i'm making a change or or, or, or exploring something um you know like i started weightlifting five years ago and then did, did formal weightlifting for a year, uh, with a barbell program. And then I started last year with my coach for a year anyway. So, and, and some things, you know, some have been like some supplements that I've taken for a year and most of those get thrown away. They just, you know, they don't work, but anyway, so, um, the breathing that I am exploring is, is more of a parasympathetic breathing, more of a recovery type thing. Um, but also, some stimulating stuff where it's just breath holds 
a few breath holds to stimulate air hunger and and uh it's the the, the i almost hate talking about this because i'm only about two months into it and like i say i like to sure. i like to get something a year before i really give it full full endorsement but uh um you know patrick mccowan's oxygen advantage um i think i got turned on i heard about it first from colby pierce and then my my coach Malcolm brody brought it up last year um there's also a book called breath by james nestor who's just an excellent writer and he explores all of the breathing type stuff but but you know the oxygen advantage just the concept is that uh your your air hunger you know your desire to breathe is is driven by your carbon dioxide building up and so when our carbon dioxide builds up it says breathe and you can build a comfort level with that just like you can with anything um and so you do some short where you breathe in breathe out hold your nose and time yourself and you can do easy air hunger and, and follow that as kind of a measure of where you're at, but then you can do some strong air hungers, which where you really fight it and get uncomfortable and, and, and allow it to happen and realize you're not dying type things. And you do a few of those kind of like you would do an interval and that will build up your, your, you know, for those high efforts when you're on the bike. And so for me, it's not, it's always the, uh, you know, when I back off the effort, the recovering my breathing was always the challenge. And so that's where I'm excited to do this. And then, you know, one of my favorite races is the tour of the Gila, you know, a 200 pound guy going to tour of the Gila, which is stupid, but, um, but that's at altitude, which I don't live at. And so I have some breathlessness problems there, especially with their first efforts. And so that's where I'm excited to see if, if this stuff will help me there. But um, um, yeah, so you just, uh, you, you most of it's to to just help you breathe parasympathetically to 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 relax mm -hmm. and to to become comfortable with it but then you do some exercises that are stimulating and uh, to build that to build that uh the resilience with the air hunger and i've seen a bit of that have you done any just with spinning easy on the bike too and trying nose yeah I'm glad like usually people who people who too. struggle with what you're describing usually struggle with you know any sort of nose breathing right so it's so you, yeah, so slow you can down. do it so you do it out walking you might do say sure yeah that'd be, maybe safer. Out walking <laughs> and and hold your nose or you can just not breathe but holding your nose really gives you a better feedback on the bike i don't hold my nose but what i'll do is i'll just late in the ride when I'm just doing like a easy endurance type thing, I'll just, I'll just, you breathe out just a normal breathe in, breathe out. And then you hold your breath on the out breath and you do 10, 15 revs until you're uncomfortable. Right. And then try to lightly recover your breathing and give it a minute, minute and a half till you're recovered and then do that again. And so it's the same. Have you same done much concept. swimming? Like swim coaches, I think have keep this i think they call it hypocapnic or something but yeah uh, essentially just you're swimming underwater right again we don't need to be kooky with this it's just like hey yeah, can you swim to the other swim to the other side carbon of the dioxide would go up yeah, yeah swimming swimming is an excellent place to do it it's a little harder to you can't really um how am i how do, how do you say this you know you can't stop breathing and hold your nose 
you know, cause you gotta be moving the whole time. Well, you can um, put your head underwater. That'd probably put your head's <laughs> underwater, your head's underwater and you can just kind of like, uh, then, you know, take a, a few strokes and maybe four strokes or five strokes where you normally do it every two exactly. strokes. Exactly. Yeah. And then yeah. you do that just a few times and, uh, and, and you just do it a few times. You don't do it a lot during the workout. Um, right. Yeah. No, the, the, I think that's where some of the stuff you almost hesitate to talk about because it's like, it's like an interval, right? You don't very, do, yeah. you don't do, you don't do 30 one mile. But one more is better. Effort, You're saying more is better. I you think five one minute efforts. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then you said something, have you tried Spyro Tiger or where are you at on that? No. Um, but just, I, you know, I mentioned that when we talked last that I'm trying to figure out whether I should retire or not. And I really would like to, my wife is really arguing against it right now. She doesn't want you home. That's kind of what I'm thinking. (laughs) Um, Which ironically, uh, when we did one of our slacker rides about six weeks ago, we did a 150 mile ride and I woke up about eight o'clock and she doesn't normally get up that early. And she got up with me and she got me coffee. And then she got me she made sure I had my stuff and, and all my bars and stuff. And I left and I got down to my friend's house and I goes, yeah, she realizes I'm going to be gone for 12 hours. She's in heaven. She has all day long to do. It wasn't that she was being nice to me. She was just happy that, that I, anyways, uh, Spyro Tiger, the reason I brought that up was I don't think it was Molly. I think it might've been Sonia Looney who interviewed the guy that um, the, he might be like a pulmonary doctor in Canada who did, breath type work and might be spira tiger is that a canadian product or, or no, I think it's, it's like swiss or something yeah yeah so but uh, he was working with it and so but his point was you know because he'd worked with a lot of athletes and cyclists but he was an anesthesiologist that's what he was and his his thing was well you know i'd love to just go into cycling and coaching but i'm good at being an anesthesiologist and it pays the bills and so he says, you know, do what you can, you know, do what you're capable of doing to make a living. And then that gives you the means to do where your, where your passion is. You know, it's kind of that, do you pursue your passion or do you do what you're capable of? And then, I mean, do you, do you go full in to pursue your passion as a career and as your way to make money, or do you pursue mm. what you're good at in life? to make money and then pursue your passion as a, as a hobby on the side. And so that's, that's where was, you are. That's where you are right I, now. Yeah. And that's where I am right now because I kind of, you know, I've been a doctor for 30 years and I still enjoy it, but you know, have I done enough? And I really, I would love to go back to college. I want to go back to college and get a degree in exercise science and nutrition. Um, you know, I've already got a podcast titled. It's the, the 60 year old freshman. Um, there you go. But, but uh, do I need to do that? And should I just kill it? Still keep doing what pays me relatively well and that I've gotten very good at while I explore. And so I've started, you know, this kind of coaching. I've got like six coaching emails that I share with friends and families about the non engineering Olympics and, and my thoughts there and, and what to do. Hmm. Well, it sounds, sounds like it's, you know, there's lots of options. There's forks in your road, but yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, okay. Well, I mean, we've covered a lot of ground today. Is there anything else that we've missed? Do you think as in this today's conversation? I don't think so. Just, uh, 
find the fun of it and and be consistent you know you love the little black book of training um mm-hmm. that's consistency and and that's the key um when you when you get a setback you know we had lots of opportunities to get setbacks during covid um embrace it and and say you know where's the opportunity here mm-hmm. um think broadly you know if you're a cyclist or if you're a runner or, or whatever think broadly for the your the rest of your life, you know, what can you do to enhance your running or your cycling that will also be good for you for, for the next 30 years and strength training, meditation, stretching, yoga, all those things will help your sport and they they'll be great for your health span and your lifespan. Mm, I think that's a great message. Yeah. I really appreciate you sharing again. I think the biggest value today was just hearing, you know, you've had these injuries, you were a cyclist, you were a runner, and then all of a sudden you weren't, you know, you were an injured person and, and you got through it. Right. And you came back, but it took time, right. It wasn't like you got back on the trainer pedaling, you know, instantly the next day. No, Menachem had me do a one minute ride the first time I rode and in a four minute ride and then a right. eight minute ride. And, uh, it sounds silly, but it, you know, it was kind of the way to do it. It's the same as I say with running, if people would just sort of what you just described, something like that, very gradual. At first, it seems like a joke, but if they would just do it for two or three months, I think most people would probably get running, but everyone wants to do, you know, 5k today. Then it's, it's, (laughs) it's tricky. The body, all of a sudden you've jumped up, up and down to 5,000 times, right? Yeah. When I go back to running, this has always been my approach though, is you, you run for a minute and walk five minutes and then you do that for half an hour. And then if you're not too sore, then a day or two later, you run two minutes and walk five minutes. And if you're getting a little too sore, you, you stick there. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I said I re-listened to our original podcast. And probably my favorite part of that podcast was in the preamble. Molly was talking about she was just starting to run. Oh, really? And, and I think she had gotten up to running for a minute or two and then walking for a few minutes. And now here she is three years later, oh, having wow. just, just ripped a hundred mile run. So hmm. uh, that was really enjoyable, that, ex- that experience. So, so there you go. You start, you know, Molly was running a minute or two at a time and then walking and then repeating three years ago. And now she's smoking a hundred mile run. Mm -hmm. which is, you know, you say a year, I was saying, you know, two years even, but I think whatever time span, you know, the, that middle ground is you can do so much, right? Again, you said Molly went from steps to a hundred miles, uh, you know, in a three-year period. Yeah. 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 So maybe that's a good message to end on today too, is just this idea that, you know, we sort of overestimate today and, you know, underestimate, you know, as you say, you could be done a degree in three years from now. We don't know what you might've That's gone, wonderful. Gone, I like that. You might've already gone <laughs> off to school and been done with it. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Jim. It's good to see you. I think, you know, thank you for putting me in right after your shift. You've been working all night yeah. <laughs> and, we're, we're, and you're talking coherently somehow. So yeah, this is just a real privilege. You know, I really respect and follow you and Molly and you guys inspire me and, uh, and any little thing I can do to add back is just a privilege for me. Well, thanks so much. Enjoy your, your sleep today. Thanks. <laughs> we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Jim. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox.